Hello, dear listener. Uh, welcome to episode one of Kerrang! Back Issue. Um, I guess before we begin, I should probably explain uh, the point of this pod. So, <sighs> I went to my parents' garage quite a while ago and then remembered that I had kept massive, massive boxes of Kerrangs. Uh, I never actually threw a copy away. And I started reading through them and I thought to myself, this is gold. Everything in these magazines is absolute gold. Um, and rather than rather than me like photocopying them, sticking them up, I thought it would be quite fun to talk about them, to actually talk about the magazine. Um, so we're going to begin on issue number 476, January the 8th, 1994. Um, you're probably wondering why this exact time frame. Well, I'd like to say that it was a carefully chosen and researched issue um, that has like some major significance in the rock world that would be a lie uh, real story is that this is the first copy of Krang magazine that I ever bought uh, I'd never actually heard of Krang magazine before I went into the shops and bought this I only bought it because it had a picture of Guns N' Roses uh, on the cover well a picture of Slash from Guns N' Roses and I was a 13 year old uh, long hair in 1994, so I thought to myself, I'm gonna buy a magazine, learn a bit more about Guns N' Roses, and I did. I guess the best place to start is what's on the cover. Uh, so you've got a lovely picture of Slash from Guns N' Roses with a cigarette in his mouth, wearing a very nice leather jacket. Um, Donington is back in June with Aerosmith. Can you believe it? Uh, also, other breaking news, Blaze Bailey has joined Iron Maiden. Oh my God, I cannot believe Blaze Bailey has joined Iron Maiden. Also, you can win advanced copies of the new Alice in Chains EP, and if it doesn't get better than that, then there is an eight-page pullout of David Coverdale and Jimmy Page live in Japan. Wow, what an issue. I mean, it just doesn't get better than that, does it? So if we open the page first, First in, you have the content. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you what's in the content because we're gonna go through it, so that seems kind of silly. But just remember that content is spelt with a K and it, rather than having an S at the end, it has a Z. Because it was 1994, that's what Kerrang did. Everything was Ks and Zs because I don't know if that was cool or zany, uh, but that's how it was, so, you know. So I guess we start where we started on the front page. Blaze Bailey has lit Iron Maiden's fire, apparently. Um, sad news though, Wolfsbane are gonna split as Bailey fills Bruce's boots. So, uh, according to Krang, Blaze Bailey is Iron Maiden's new singer. And press reports have continually linked Bailey with Maiden since vocalist Bruce Dickinson announced he was leaving the band in March 1993. However, in May of last year, Blaze Bailey told Kerrang, I couldn't accept an offer to join Iron Maiden. I'm glad I'm with Wolfsbane, or I'd be dead. Loyalties like that, you could never betray and live with yourself. Nice one, Blaze. So <laughs> he says, he, says he's not going to leave Wolfsbane and join Iron Maiden, and then he leaves Wolfsbane and joins Iron Maiden. Reminds me of when Sol Campbell said that he wasn't going to leave Tottenham, and he left Tottenham and joined Arsenal. Can't trust anyone these days. Um, stop the press. Oh my God. Raw Power, the popular hard rock TV show, has undergone a series of changes for a new look in 1994. The programme, which started its life as the Power Hour, 
is now called Noisy Mothers and will be screened on Wednesdays at 3.25am in the Yorkshire and Tyne Tees area, Thursdays on Scottish and Central TV, 2.10am and 2.55am respectively, and on Fridays in all other regions, 4am on LWT, 3.55am on Meridian and 2.35am elsewhere. The new format will ensure more up-to-date rock news, videos and interviews. Um, so basically, if you want to watch Noisy Mothers, you eat, even need to not have a job and stay up all night or be a student. So that was what life was like before YouTube. Page six now. Apparently, it ain't easy being ZZ. So ZZ Top, the Texas trio, return with a new deal, a new LP and a promise of UK live dates. Now, Xavier Russell, the... Um, journalist here decides to list the full track listing of the album that no one's heard of like that's some sort of great information that people want to know so i don't think this information is interesting at all so that's why i'm going to read it to you right now the full track listing is as follows pincushion pch breakaway lizard's life cover your rig antenna head fuzzbox voodoo world of swell t-shirt deal going down cherry red and everything love it moving on Record releases. Therapy. Everyone remember Therapy? That great band that had a Teeth Grinder EP? Loved it. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, they're going to release a new album entitled Trouble Gum through A&M on February the 7th. And just like uh, with the ZZ Top thing, here's the full track listing of that record that you haven't heard yet and the song titles will mean nothing to you. They'll mean something to you now if you know this record. Knives, Scream Major, Hellbelly, Stop It, You're Killing Me, Nowhere, Die Laughing, Unbeliever, Trigger Inside, Lunacy Booth, Isolation, Turn, Femtex, Unrequited, Brain Sore. Now, personally, I think the best song on that record is Unbeliever because it features Paige Hamilton from Helmet. Uh, but then I'm very biased because I love Helmet. So what can you do? Also, record releases. How about this? Cher. Cher of Sonny and Cher. She's only bloody teamed up with MTV cartoon stars Beavis and Butthead for a cover of the Sonny and Cher classic, I Got You Babe. And that will be out through Geffen this week. The record is backed with the original version of the song and is available on Picture CD with a free sticker and cassette. Now, at the end of this month, remember it's January the 8th, 1994, Skid Row will be releasing two new videos, Roadkill and No Frills. Uh, that will be on January the 1st through Warner Music Vision. Roadkill, which has a running length of 120 minutes, follows the New Jersey Quintet on their first international headlining tour, taking in concert footage from Taiwan, Hawaii, Brazil, Iceland, Argentina and Guam, as well as Japan, Europe and the States. Each copy comes complete with two pairs of special glasses for maximum enjoyment of a 3D version of Psycho Love. Also in record releases, a teenage lead guitarist-songwriter into metal is urgently needed for a new Hove rock band. Interested parties should contact Joe at 0273 726 628. Now, Joe, if you're out there, please let me know if you ever got anything going. I'd, I'd love to know. Cheers, Joe. Good lad. Page 8 now, and here we are with Mayhem Extra. Um, Cannibal Corpse everyone's favourite death metal band, have completed work on their fourth album, titled The Bleeding. It was recorded at Florida's Morris Sound Studios with producer Scott Burns. And I'm going to caveat this and say that here, Kerrang! lists a few of the titles of the tracks from the album. Now, I know what I said about ZZ Top, and I know what I said about Therapy. 
But I think when it comes to Cannibal Corpse, it really is very important that you read out and know the titles of the songs that are going to be on the album. So here we are. Force-fed broken glass, staring through the eyes of the dead, fucked with a knife, the pickaxe murders, stripped, raped and strangled. Lovely. Those titles should wet everyone's whistle, chuckles fiendish corpse vocalist Chris Barnes, unrepentant about the brutal nature of the new material. Give them a taste of blood. Metal Blade, our US label, have seen all of the new lyrics and they're very much into it, he insists. I didn't think about causing a stir when I wrote this stuff. They were just powerful stories that I had in my head. The title of each song bluntly says what it's about. Why hide something nasty with a weak title? People might think songs like Fucked With A Knife are glorifying violence, but they should wait and read the lyrics before they decide. I've always said that each of our albums has been like a collection of movie plots and it's not all extreme gore. On the bleeding, there's old style horror too, like zombies and shit, supernatural hauntings and just every little bit of horror I could get in there. Tour news now and Censor played the Mega Dog Festival at London's Holloway Road Rocket on January the 28th. And also, unfortunately, the Anti-Nowhere League have rescheduled their London Astoria date due to take place on December 19th. But that was cancelled after guitarist Magoo broke his arm in a motorcycle accident. The show will now be held on January the 30th. Oh Magoo, you silly sausage. Nasty Rumour played the Long Sutton Corn Exchange on January the 15th, the Spalding Birds on the 28th, the Boston Axe and Cleaver February 8th, and the Whole Beach Lion on the 26th. Don't forget as well, Baby Strange will be playing the Swindon Bell on January the 16th, East Grinstead 101 Club on the 25th, and Reading Granbury Tavern on the 27th. Also, very important news, the Greyhound pub in Pontypridd has undergone a complete transformation and now has a new private membership club for rock fans. A rock disco, love me a rock disco, takes place at the venue every Friday, Saturday and Sunday. That's your whole weekend of a rock disco if you live in Pontypridd. As I mentioned previously on the front cover of this issue of Kerrang, the Donington Monsters of Rock Festival will be back with a bang this year. Traditionally the biggest date of the UK heavy metal calendar, the festival returns after a year's absence and will be held as ever at the Castle Donington Racetrack in Derbyshire. Hot favourites to headline this year's event are Aerosmith uh, and favourites for the special guest slot are Skid Row. The Boston superstars, Aerosmith of course, were also favourites to top the bill in 1993 but the festival was eventually cancelled due to fierce competition for major outdoor rock shows starring Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Bon Jovi and Def Leppard. Poor Donington. Other contenders to play also include Motley Crue and I know for a fact that Motley Crue did not play at Donington 94. Tour news continues now. Uh, really weird because tour news was also on page 9 but then I guess there was so much tour news that they couldn't just put it on the next page. They had to bump it a couple of pages long. Anyway, doesn't matter because Tool have confirmed a one-off date at London Astoria 2, the LA2 to those in the know that used to go there, and they play the venue on March the 3rd. And also Therapy promote their new LP, Trouble Gun, with dates at the following. Cambridge Junction, Leicester University, Glasgow Barrowlands, Manchester Academy, Leeds Town and Country, Nottingham Rock City, Wolverhampton Civic Hall, Portsmouth Pyramids, London Brixton Academy, Sheffield University, Norwich UEA. The Manic Street Preachers, uh, have rescheduled their recently cancelled Brixton Academy show for January 28th with support from the Wild Hearts. And the Smashing Pumpkins, 
promote the release of a new single, Disarm, with a one-off show at London Astoria on February the 23rd. The single is taken from the band's latest LP, Siamese Dream. And now we get into the serious business. Concerts. Concerts spelt with a K and a Z at the end. K-on-certs. Concerts. So here we are. Body Count and Carcass at Rock City Nottingham Wednesday, December the 15th. And on the concerts scale, this was pre-5K, 4K, 3K, 2K, 1K. The concert quota, obviously spelt with Ks. Five is electrocution. Four, high voltage. Three, static. Two, short circuit. And one, flat battery. You don't want to get a flat battery, do you? So that concert quota again, five, electrocution. Four, high voltage. Three, static. Two, short circuit. And one, flat battery. And this gig, body count and carcass, Gets a five, sorry, I mean an electrocution. Yeah, woo, yeah. And even though Kerrang give this electrocution, they start off by slagging off Carcass, which isn't that good actually. So I quote, of all the bands expected to crawl from the death metal quagmire and move on to something more ferocious and original, Carcass were probably top of the list. Just take a listen to that old heartbreaker, hepatic, Hepatic tissue fermentation, and you'll know that Carcass was something special. Tonight, however, they could be pretty much anyone. Any of the millions of competent but startlingly mediocre bands that litter the scene. Oof. It's pretty depressing stuff seeing a band once so great reduced to pointless outings of out of control guitar wank territory. It's like they're going, hey, look what I can play. And instead of mind melting riffs, they simply churn out horrible widdly diddly noises over the top. Death Certificate, among far too many others, is outstandingly overcomplicated and dull. And the new man in Carcass is Mike Hickey, formerly of Kronos. This, alas, is Carcass's only amusement value. Body Count, on the other hand, are hilarious. Admittedly, some of the humour may be unintentional, but even that, you feel, is part of the plan. So Kerrang! have given this gig electrocution out of five. They start off by saying that Carcass are rubbish, or they're rubbish now, obviously they weren't rubbish previously, and the body count are hilarious. Okay, Let's see what else this review has to say. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just read this line and it's too much. But when Ice T hits the stage last, that's when the crowd almost soil their undergarments. Why? Because most bands don't put enough effort into working a crowd. And Ice motherfucking T is quite a showman by anyone's standards. Ice is the David Lee Roth of hardcore metal. Yes. Who else could get away with stopping a song called Evil Dick to do an impression of Michael Jackson and then continue the song by talking to his own penis? This is showtime. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that sounds... <laughs> that sounds like... <laughs> That sounds like probably one of the best gigs that you may ever see. Ice-T talking to his own penis, doing an impression of Michael Jackson. Okay, I can see why they gave this concert electrocution now. This, this does sound really good. Sorry, I'll take it all back, Kareng. Kareng does mention the uh, anti-racist message, message coming across loud and clear, particularly during Mama's Gotta Die Tonight. That said, however, and I quote, other messages are dubious to say the least. The excellent new song Born Dead equates being born in Bosnia or Somalia with being born in South Central LA, which, if we might remind Mr. T about his millionaire's Hollywood mansion, is utter bollocks. 
and the new anti-drug song, Street Lobotomy, is fair enough, but it's marred by unnecessary gang warfare chants in the next song, You Killed My Brother. Whatever your beliefs, a line of coke might not kill you, but a bullet usually does the trick. Although body count were undoubtedly dangerous supporting Guns N' Roses, they're not really so here. No one will go outside and fuck the police, even if Ice and his kid who he brings on at the end of the infamous cop killer ask us really nicely. We might buy a t-shirt or something, but there'll be no revolution tonight. Reviewed by Morat. My favourite bit of this review is Streetwise, uh, which is where Kerrang! speaks to some of the people that were at the concert. Kerrang! asks the question, are bands like Body Count relevant for the metal audiences of today? Morat dives into the boiling rock city mosh pit to find out. Andy, who's come down from Sheffield in his mate's car, is fucking hot, but so he reckons was the show. It blows away a lot of the shit in Kerrang! he says, and the metal and rap sounds are great together. Sadly, his young lady M, also from Sheffield, was speechless. Kerrang! readers Malcolm McDonald from Fleet and his friend John from Tring both thought the show was bloody great. Says Malcolm, there's an excellent crossover audience and Ice-T really works the crowd like a bad motherfucker. The rap-rock crossover really works, agrees John, and there are good raps between songs about racism, which is great for a mainly metal audience to get to hear. I think John there is suggesting that a lot of metal fans are racist. I don't know where he's got that from, but that is up to you, John. Maybe he means... It's because they're usually all white, which I guess is a fair enough point. Hart, live at Wilton Theatre, Los Angeles, on Thursday, December 9th, gets a solid high voltage. Now, high voltage, to remind you, my, my lovely listener, is a four out of five. Why they make their concert quota so stupid, I don't know. The Churlish... Unfortunately, who played the Fulham Swan on Monday, the November tw- the 22nd, only get a short circuit. And to remind you, a short circuit is two out of five. The Acrobats of Saar played the uh, the Walthamstow Royal Standard. They also got a two. A two being a short circuit. I can't even, I can't even remember the stupid titles of the bloody crap names for the reviews or whatever. The review, however, for the Acrobats of Sar gig by Jason Arnop is brilliant. Jason begins, It's an interesting fact. Prog rock occasionally gets so progressive that it ceases to be rock. It becomes medieval folk. Acrobats of Sar are largely concerned with rewriting Rush's Temples of Syrinx. During the first song, there's no guitar because the front man is walking around on stilts, singing. He then grabs his cosmic axe to join the excellent rhythm section. Mid-set, the trio play a pot-headed epic. The frontman scrapes his strings with a drumstick. It sounds like a seagull. The 35 punters snigger. The final song is one of the set's only two with refrains when it lurches into the corniest Primus bass line. Several people can no longer stop themselves guffawing out loud. If nothing else, it's a fuck sight more than Lenny Kravitz is stirring up at £19.50 a ticket the same night. So from the concert lows of the Wolfhamstow Royal Standard with the Acrobats of Saar playing to 35 punters. We now reach the dizzying heights of Gary Glitter and T-Rex to see playing the G-Max Manchester 
on Sunday, December the 12th. And would you believe it, Kerrang gave this gig a high voltage score. The high voltage score means that this gig got four out of five. That's Gary Glitter. Anyone that doesn't know what Gary's Glitter has been up to for the past however many years has been living under a rock. If we all took a page out of Eddie Vedder's book uh, on the song Red Mosquito from No Code, where he sings, if I had known then what I know now. Well, we didn't know it then, and neither did Paul Travers. So here he goes. T-Rex to see are probably the closest you could ever come to experiencing T-Rex in the 90s. Whether you should actually want to experience T-Rex in the 90s is a debatable point, but the impersonation was so good that if the singer had offered me a lift in a blue mini, I'd have shit a brick and scarpered. As for Gary Glitter, his impersonation of a sleek and her stute, her shoot, excuse me, sex god, was so good, you could almost forget that he's tubby and balding, but Gaza fans are nothing if not loyal. They're probably not loyal anymore. And recent revelations regarding his follically challenged condition have not spoilt the love affair. The fact that the music is absolutely dire is of course irrelevant. What matters is that all the songs have these really great easy bits that everyone can sing, even after eight pints of lager. Come to think of it, eight pints of lager are really quite essential. Christmas just wouldn't be the same without Gary Glitter. <laughs> Excuse me. Christmas just wouldn't be the same without the Gary Glitter gang show. It's an all clapping, all stomping, and what makes it better is that you don't have to think. <sighs> Paul Gad, the real Gary Glitter, may be nearly 50, but his pure glitter tabulousness, is that a word? Tabulousness shows no sign of receding, unlike his hairline. Come on, Dan, it was, it was only a joke. I don't care. I don't care if it was a joke or not. I tell you, it's a joke. I'm not going any further until I hear Alan say that, that we're heavy metal. Come on, tell him, Dan. Okay, okay, we're heavy metal, okay? Heavy metal, heavy metal, heavy metal! Have I said it enough? We're heavy metal, okay? After that worrying glitter interlude, we move on to communication. Communication obviously spelt with a K, K-O-N-N-U-N-I-K-A-T-I-O-N, communication. The first letter this week is by Annie Elvin from Harlow. Annie writes, I just want to say how disgusted I was at the Aerosmith Supposed signing at London's Tower Records last December the 7th. I queued up for over three hours in the bloody cold and rain to get my new Aerosmith CD signed and to meet the band, along with hundreds of other fans. But just as I got near the doors, the security man said that the band were not doing any more signing, but that everybody would meet the band and get a signed poster. Fair enough. But when inside, I was pushed and shoved and the signed poster was actually an 8x6 black and white picture and it wasn't signed. Needless to say, I was exceedingly pissed off. I don't blame the band, but some people were turned away altogether. You didn't miss much. Thanks to Aerosmith. It was great to meet you guys. That's from Annie. Next we have a lovely letter from Adrian Cooper from Dudley who says, I'd just like to say having seen Mr Big at the Civic Hall Wolverhampton that I thought they were brilliant. The two hour set started with Colorado Bulldog and went on to 
other classics like Just Take My Heart and To Be With You, which nearly took the roof off. The band was spot on and every note was perfect. This was my first time seeing Mr Big Live and it certainly won't be the last. This cracking letter from George Forster of Mansfield begins. An open letter to Meatloaf. Having seen you in concert at Sheffield Arena, December 9th, let me say how utterly brilliant the level of musicianship was. A great show. However, I was bitterly disappointed at the lack of material from any of the albums between Bat Out of Hell and Bat Out of Hell 2. Perhaps, perhaps next time, you'll remember your real fans who aren't just following the latest trend. That's us for us folks who didn't have to read the lyrics in the tour programme to sing along with you. You tell them, Jeff. Also under communication, we have the uh, infamous, I mean, I don't know if it's infamous, it should be because it's so stupid, gagging for a shagging section. Um, gagging for a shagging this week is Danny from the Wild Hearts. Uh, this letter from Ali from Glasgow begins, Now I certainly wouldn't be one to say no if Axel or John Bon Jovi were to jump on my bones, but seeing as you hear that all the time, I thought I would put someone else forward who's definitely gagging for a shagging. Yes, stand up Danny from the Wild Hearts, it is indeed you. You're fucking lovely. What more can I say? And Karang replies, the editor obviously, uh, which is Phil Alexander at this time. This is not only Danny's second appearance in Gagging for Shacking, he's also nominated by Lisa Banerjee of Rotherham into the bargain. Restrain yourself, girls. Next up is a short interview with Alice in Chains uh, about their release, Jar of Flies, Sap. Um, I'll be honest, they have a quick interview with the band. It's not very interesting. They sort of explain some of the songs. Um, obviously, the best song is No Excuses, which they say possibly the most evocative moment on Jar of Flies. The acoustic summer feel of the guitars wash against the counterpoise rhythm swing of Kinney and Inez. Jerry serves up another piece of whacked out electric playing. I mean, that doesn't really tell you much about the song, but you know. Um, at the very end of the interview, there is a piece titled The Mistake, and this shows how much fun Alice in Chains are. It begins, A truly spontaneous offering, Jar of Flies, does contain what Mike sees as a major mistake. The only mistake we made was this one day when we ran out of beer at 2 o'clock and we couldn't get any more beer until 6. That was terrible. You've got a feel for Alice in Chains on days like that. Kerrang offers a lovely competition on this page. They offer the chance to win one of a hundred copies of Alice in Chains' new EP. That's right, you can be the first one on your block to get your mitts on Alice in Chains' blinding new double pack. We've got a hundred copies of this famed two EP set to sling your way. Now, obviously, I wasn't a fan of Alice in Chains in 1994, so the uh, little cutout bit is still in my uh, copy of this issue of Kerrang. Unfortunate, really, because knowing now what I should have known then, this EP is incredible and I love Alice in Chains and obviously I was an idiot, so that's okay. Now, if you're an old fart like me, you'll remember singles and Kerrang used to have an entire page dedicated to singles. Obviously, they misspelled singles and spelled it with a Z at the end, but why would they want to spell anything correctly? So, singles begins with Terravision, my house. And the review says, it works, it works, it bloody works. That 3D hologram thingy on the sleeve, my house. Yeah, you can see the telly, the couch, a floater in the bog. The song is a total rip-off of Mr. Hendrix's Crosstown Traffic, but pleasing on the ears all the same. 
The Four Non Blondes song, Dear Mr. President, gets a very short review. There are indeed no blondes in Four Non Blondes. Perhaps they should have been called Four Non Good Musicians. An atrocity, basically. Oh dear. Def Leppard's Action also gets a review. Join me, if you will, in a celebratory cup of hot Vimto that welcomes the Leps back from the land of crappy, boring, overproduced Tosh. Last year's Retroactive is the best LP you'll probably never buy. An action, a cover though it is, is as sharp as a cudgel. Guess what? Last year's Retroactive is an LP that I didn't ever buy. Singles of the week. There are two singles of the week this week. One, UK subs, The Road Is Hard, The Road Is Long EP. The review says, Charlie Harper looks like Lemmy after a lengthy spell in a concentration camp, which is probably why he still pens vitriolic pieces of in-your-nose crunch punk. Hey, and you'll never guess what. Apparently, right, Guns N' Roses are really big fans. <sighs> is that a review? I don't know. I don't... Yeah, sure. Okay. The second single of the week is Daughter by Pearl Jam. Eddie Vedder. The master of mumble opens his mouth a mere nanometer for this piece of musical mastery. That's how cool he is. He pulls the elf face. The girls swoon. And out from that angelic mouth popped pure rock genius. And, er, uh, no, that wasn't a piss take, believe it or not. Yet again, a brilliant review. And now we come to the part of the magazine that I know you've all been waiting for. It's the Kerrang! Coverdale page exclusive Japanese tour eight page pullout. This eight page pullout is still in my copy of Kerrang because I didn't want to pull it out. On page one, we have a review which is electrocution. On page two, we have half a page which explains that Jimmy Page and David Coverdale won't be doing anything together after this. Then we have a picture of David Coverdale looking sexy. Then we have a picture of Jimmy Page playing his guitar, another picture of David Coverdale looking sexy, and then a picture of Jimmy Page and David Coverdale together. Finally, we make it to uh, this week cover star, which is Slash from Guns N' Roses, talking about the spaghetti incident. Um, I read this interview actually in bed last night, and it's not that interesting, if I'm honest. Um, talks about Stephen Adler leaving the band by going through management, talks about getting in Matt Sorum as the new drummer from the cult who saved the band <sighs> talks about how Kerrang had beef no sorry how Guns N' Roses had beef with Kerrang for ages because they wrote some stuff Mick Wall the song Get In The Ring etc etc now they're friends again honestly nothing that exciting however I did pull this bit out which really 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 made me smile and laugh because um I'll just read it to you anyway. Um, Slash says about the songs, the cover songs from Spaghetti Incident. The songs we picked out were what you call neutral. The New York Dolls as a whole were not my favourite band, although they had certain songs I dug. So everyone in the band had to be able to relate to whatever song each one of us wanted to do. We could have done a million other bands, but these are the ones that came off the top of our heads when we got on a roll. We didn't have any interest in doing a Zeppelin cover or another Aerosmith cover. And I don't see much justification in redoing an old Stone song because those songs just don't need to be covered. Slash there saying that Guns N' Roses don't need to cover a Stone song, yet for the film Interview with a Vampire, I believe they covered Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones. Make of that what you will. 
And I just did a little bit of research, and the song was the uh, song "Sympathy for the Devil" was recorded in October 1994. So, about eight to ten months after this interview, Slash and Guns N' Roses covered a Stone song. Sure. Next up, we have records, and I'm not even going to explain to you how records is spelt. I'm sure by now you can probably work out that it's not spelt correctly, and it's a little bit odd. Anyway, confession to make, I think I may have made a mistake about the ratings, because the ratings for the records here are 5k, 4k, 3k, 2k, 1k. Classic, killer, competent, crusty, and crap. Um, maybe... The live reviews were never 5k 4k maybe i got that wrong or maybe it changed later on anyway hopefully on this journey of discovery through the old kerangs we'll work it out so i could be wrong but i'm not going to admit that i am wrong just yet so we'll see first record reviewed this week is live in a world full of hate by sick of it all and Morat gives it an unfortunate three Ks, which is competent. Um, he doesn't hate the record, but he doesn't love it. And I kind of understand where he's coming from with Sick of It All. I always, I liked a few songs by Sick of It All, but I think they are quite samey in parts. Um, he finishes off the review to say, to be fair, this album is an absolute must for anyone who's into the band. This is the sick of it all fans what no sleep till Hammersmith is to Motorhead fans. Sadly, after a couple of plays, everyone else will be sick of it all. Probably a little bit harsh, but also I yeah, kind of see where Morat's coming from there. Um, the reviews, I've got to say, are a little bit weird and confusing. So mostly each record has a review on its own, but there's one section where four albums are reviewed together probably because they're all like black metal records but so you've got immortals pure holocaust impaled nazarene's ugra karma absu's baratham v-i-t-r-i-o-l vitriol and necromantia crossing the fiery path but rather than reviewing each one separately they give each one within a paragraph 30 words so immortal uh, it begins, let's face it, there's a little bit of the devil in all of us. So let's meet Norway's, Im Norway's Immortal. Their album Pure Holocaust is well in order. There's touches of venom in the vocal delivery of Abath Okulta, while guitarist Demonaz Okulta comes into his own on The Sun No Longer Rises with some very varied riffing. That's the end of the review for Immortal's Pure Holocaust, which gets 4Ks. Impaled Nazarene, they say, over the border to Finland, we've Impaled Nazarene. The thing that appeals most is their willingness to experiment. Got ist tot, brackets, Antichrist Warmex is clever, and lovers of speed black metal will dig Kali Yuga, awesome in power and delivery. That's the end of that review. Um, also gets 4Ks. Absu's Barathrum, Barathrum gets 4K, and Necromantia gets 3K, unfortunately. John Hans Out of the Shadows gets 1K, and Steve BB says... Released by the suspiciously familiar Kilowatt label, the world needs John Hand finger-burning instrumental piffle like it needs a full-scale revival of Nazism in Germany. Why anyone records an album like this, let alone releases them, is a matter for psychiatrists to address. No one buys them. I've only heard two listenable guitar albums in my life. One was Steve Vai's Passion and Warfare, and the other was Tony McAlpine's Freedom to Fly. 
John Han has failed to provide the third. What I do find really great about the review section and what is definitely a sign of the times is that they have a side column that's just for zines, which I think is brilliant. And also Jason Arnop has a, another side column on another page, which is called Death Fine, where he just reviews deftly dealings, <laughs> deftly dealings, whatever they are. Um, the, the first review says, it's lesbo porn mayhem on the cover of Loud Blast's new mini album, Cross the Threshold, 3Ks. But that's not the only reason why it's pretty good. The French antagonists have jumped on the harmony train to a certain extent. They've maintained that fundamentally heavy, heavy edge. Although Cross the Threshold is one for fans of recent death as opposed to Malevolent Creation or Cannibal Corpse, most of these six tracks have real melodic value and one is a cover of Slayer's Mandatory Suicide, largely successful even if the singer can't quite pronounce Machine Gun Fire. Metal Charts. Guess how charts is spelled. I'm going to stop talking about the spelling soon, I'm sorry, but it, it just it just really annoys me so much. At least they spelled metal, right? So that's one word out of two they got correct. Charts, remember those? ITV chart show that used to be on every Saturday about half eleven. Anyway, this is different because this is a metal chart. And I've got to say, the top 20 albums, apart from maybe the first one, which is Battle of Hell 2 Meatloaf, it's not actually... That bad a lineup. Actually, I'm Brian Adams. It's not so good. And, and another meatloaf, sorry. Anyway, but the rest of it, not actually bad stuff. So the top 20 albums in order, Bat Out of Hell 2 Meatloaf, Spaghetti Incident Guns N' Roses, So Far So Good Brian Adams, Versus Pearl Jam, Bat Out of Hell Meatloaf, In Utero Nirvana, Get a Grip Aerosmith, Keep the Faith Bon Jovi, 10 Pearl Jam, Desire Walks On By Heart, Chaos AD Sepultura, Judgment Night Soundtrack Various, Use Your Illusion 2 Guns N' Roses, Life Ship Binge and Purge Metallica, Grave Dancers Union Soul Asylum, Use Your Illusion 1 Guns N' Roses, Siamese Dreams Fashion Pumpkins, Earth vs. The Wild Hearts, by The Wild Hearts obviously, Radiance of Machine, Radiance of Machine, and Death Done Blind by Clawfinger. Not a bad list, not a bad top 20. Number one in the indie metal chart is Chaos AD by Sepultura. Uh, I believe that came out at the end of 93, so that probably makes sense. Um, yeah, one is Chaos AD, two is Siamese Dream, three is Heartwork by Carcass. I mean, that is not a bad top three. And the number one single for this week is Battle of Hell by Meatloaf, number two, No Rain by Blind Melon, and number three, I'd Do Anything for Love, but I Won't Do That by Meatloaf. Quite a Meatloaf heavy, heavy time, I guess. Um, there's also a video chart. Now, is this it must be based on sales of videos right not just what's on rotation of mtv surely because one is meatloaf two is bon jovi three is bon jovi four is maiden five is def leopard i mean it's it's kind of cool actually and also for the charts they have a reader's chart so this week uh is roger king from nebworth in hearts uh his chart is number one remember tomorrow by iron maiden number two Lightning to the Nations by Diamond Head. Number three, And the Band Played On by Saxon. Number four, Love Bites by Def Leppard. Number five, Jason Terrorvision. Number six, Scream Major Therapy. Number seven, Froster by Mint 400. Number eight, Choke Skyscraper. Number nine, News of the World, The Wild Hearts. And number 10, Gambit by CNN. Kareng says that this Britmongous top 10 was sent in by Roger. And he reckons it's completely moshgasmic. Moshgasmic is a word that I really, really need to put 
into my day-to-day vocabulary. Our pal Rog is adamant that Brit music didn't die out in the 70s. He says here that there are still absolutely loads of storming bands out there now. And looking at his list above, he certainly justified it saying just that. Remember today. Punk's not dead, apparently, according to Morat. Um, This is an interview uh, with Chaos UK, the English Dogs and the UK Subs. Um, And this is loosely based on the fact that obviously Guns N' Roses were releasing or had released the Spaghetti Incident. And uh, Kerrang says, you've heard Guns N' Roses' version of the UK Subs down on the farm. You've giggled at Metallica's rendition of the anti-Noah League, so what? You've witnessed Slayer and Ice-T's butchery of free exploited tracks. Yeah, punk lives. Morat proves the point by tracking down the brick punk stalwarts, Chaos UK, the English Dogs and the UK Subs. Free bands who like getting uh, punk and disorderly. Um, basically just an interview with the free bands talking about punk. Um, starts off very, very well. I've, I've got to read you this a little bit, which is just great. Chaos from Bristol's cider-addled Chaos UK is as unpleasant as front men get. He's unnecessarily rude and obnoxious, disagrees with everything and everyone, including himself, and generally hasn't got a civil word to say about anything. As human beings go, he is not a good specimen, but as a punk rock singer, he shines like a diamond in dog shit. Chaos, the shaven-headed loudmouth oik, was born a punk rocker. This interview doesn't really say too much that people probably don't already know. Um, they do make a discussion about what is punk rock, which is obviously everyone's favourite discussion because that's like saying, how long is a piece of string? Um, George Roby, the English dogs, are engaged in friendly argument. The question is a simple one. What is punk rock? The answer is not quite so simple. You wouldn't have to use guitars to be a punk band, opined dentally challenged vocalist Wakey. That's slightly rude. That's labelling something. That's saying you have to do this to be a punk band. But surely the origins of punk is that you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Basically, says guitarist John, Wakey reckons punk's an attitude and Giz, lead guitarist, says it's a sound. But it's both, isn't it? The sound reflects the attitude. The attitude you feel makes you play the way you do. And that's uh, Giz there. Uh, Giz Bart, the lead guitarist of the English Dogs who went on to be the live guitarist for The Prodigy. Interesting fact for you. As we come to the end of our journey through issue 476, that is right, isn't it? Yes, issue 476, January 8th, 1994 of Kerrang. We've reached the classified section where people find love, where people flog any old tap. It really is just a place to be. Uh, You can get Plain or laced leather jeans, ladies and gents, black only, £70 pounds plus £5 pounds postage and packaging. Phone us your details at Ace Leather's store in Norwich. Uh, adverts for Metalhead, which was personally my favourite store to go to. This was when it was on Ganton Street, uh, just off Carnaby Street. And I think the first time I ever went in there I was about 12, 13 year old on a day trip to London. Um, blew my mind. I thought I was the only metaler in the world. Obviously, I was wrong. A drummer, a bassist and a guitarist are wanted to form an original metal rock band from the Berkshire, Buckinghamshire area. No time wasters, please. Interested? Then please phone Dominic on 0628 242 83. Dominic, 
I hope you got your band. Personal section. Male, 33, seeks female pen pals into rock, not thrash, Bedfordshire area. Frank Zappa, 21st of the 12.40 to the 4th of the 12.93. Rest in peace, love Elric. Snogging Snouter, happy Christmas, love Porky. Oh, isn't that lovely? Um, under records for sale, you can buy Sega software for a free list, state which, right to the bottom line, to Clarks Hill, Walk, Newburn, Newcastle. And now this is my favourite bit of the classified section in this episode. Under special notices, we have uh, an advert in which says, Problems with Def Leppard's fan club. Write and tell us about it. Box number 4501. And then underneath this, there is a uh, Kerrang box which says, due to a Kerrang classified administration error, the replies to box number 4501 have been misplaced. So could you please reply again and these will be forwarded on safely. Metal Gig Guide. Saturday, January the 8th. The Mixies men are playing the stairways in Birkenhead. Also on the same night, Rock Raider will be playing the Crown in Hailsham. And if anyone finds himself at a loose end on Tuesday, January the 11th, 1994, make sure you get yourself down to Gassy Jacks in Cardiff because Little Egypt will be playing. The last couple of pages of this issue of Kerrang! are kind of silly. Um, there's a piece called View from the Bar, which is basically them making up stories that aren't that funny. There's also a piece called Taxi Driver, and this week it's about if Tony Iommi was a taxi driver. Again, not very good. There's some birthdays. Yeah, some people had some birthdays. Pink Floyd, Sid Barrett's birthday was on the 6th. I mean, it was then, it's not now. Uh, also the cartoon of Continuum, which I never really enjoyed that much, but I know some people loved. Um, sure. The last page of this magazine for this issue is a confrontation obviously spelt wrong won't get into that um and it is an interview with jen of consensual rockers the jenna torturers i've read this interview it's not very interesting but i tell you what is interesting next issue we get the second part of the guns and roses exclusive slash interview also Kerrang asked the very, very important question. Is this the new face of metal? Question mark. Therapy, who are dressed up like members of Judas Priest. Obviously, they're not the new face of metal because they're not really a metal band. What we all also have, which I'm very excited to read in the next issue, is Pantera, Booze, Birds, Bad Language, a South American tour exclusive, plus Iron Maiden, Hawkwind, Little Angels, Henry Rollins, and Megadeth. I am already excited to get into that issue. Um, so I guess that probably concludes this this issue, but also this episode, first episode of the pod. Um, thanks for listening, if you have listened. Uh, my name's Stephen. I don't think I said that at the start, so excuse my rudeness for not um, introducing myself. Um, yeah, I hope... I hope this has been interesting or enlightening or it's taken you back or something like that. Um, 
And I guess until next time, um, you've been listening to Kerrang! Back Issues. Bye. <laughs>